What's up everyone? This is episode 027. Focus 40. Let's talk about experience. 1 2 3 go. Welcome to the Design Your Thinking podcast, a show where we think, learn and explore the product mindset so you can design better products every day. And now your host Karthik. Welcome back to another Focus 40 episode on the Design Your Thinking podcast. Thank you so much for listening in. This is me Karthik. Hope you've been doing great and hope you've enjoyed the episode so far and thank you so much for those of you who've taken time to send me feedback. Uh, we all know that products and product management as a profession is pretty new. That said, it does not mean that no one did what a product manager does today, forty years back. In the last Focus Forty episode, episode zero to five, I spoke to Arvind Mishra, who had worked on the Windows XP launch team at Microsoft. That's about fifteen years back. I then thought how nice it would be to have someone from the Macintosh days. like somebody who worked at apple and macintosh worked with steve jobs oh that would be nice today's guest interview is going to be split across two episodes this one and the next episode uh, 028 and probably by now you already know a background of the guest profile so without much ado let me go ahead and introduce you to today's guest before i went on to introduce today's guest i'd like to give some love to today's sponsor convertkit I wrote an ebook back in the February of 2016 and switched to ConvertKit from another email provider. Having hosted my ebook in Gumroad, I found ConvertKit's integration with Gumroad, the autoresponders and sequences, automation triggers as so very helpful in segmenting my audience and also growing an audience from literally zero to over a thousand in less than four months. ConvertKit's integration with Zapier and the extended integration with tools like UserVoice, Trello, Asana and many other product and project management and customer feedback apps makes it the best email tool for product managers and makers. Go to designyourthinking.com/convertkit to sign up and get the first month free for being a Design Your Thinking podcast listener. start to engage with your users and customers like never before again it's designyourthinking.com/convertkit our guest today is a classically trained product manager at Hewlett Packard during the 50 years that HP grew 20% a year apple recruited him to bring the first hard disk drive on a personal computer to the market He soon rose in Apple's management ranks to the same level as Steve Jobs by heading the Apple 3 product line and providing the profits which helped at that point to fund the development of the Macintosh. Since 1969 he has worked on 75 products and services at 25 small medium and large organizations and 11 startups covering hardware software services internet saas mobile advertising online training video and for non-profit public policy associations and political campaigns let's welcome david freden david welcome to the show and i'm super excited to have you with us today uh, glad to be here awesome so david 
you have a, a very long history in product management that uh, is it's very rare to find today so you worked alongside steve jobs and david packard how was the experience working for them and what were the biggest learnings that you kind of had working with them well i handled the uh, pr the public relations when i was in the corporate pr department at hewlett packard uh, for david packard who was one of the uh, six founders of hewlett packard mm-hmm. And the number one thing that I learned from him and from that company is the very importance of values, that uh, an organization's values and an individual's values need to match if uh, mm-hmm. either to succeed. And that when people go into a uh, decision-making room with other people, which is typically what a product manager has to do a lot, mm-hmm. uh, it's nice to know that everybody's on the same page in terms of the values against which they're going to be measuring uh, their decisions. Uh, so that was the number one thing that I learned from uh, uh, David Packard. Uh, in the case of Steve Jobs, uh, his very first product was the Apple III, mm-hmm. and I was the product manager that took over uh, that product line after two other product managers uh, had it. And um, I didn't have the authority to get anything done. So I asked John Scully and the executive board uh, and told them that if you give me the authority, uh, I'll be able to uh, get the job done. And they did, and we did. And uh, we generated uh, enough profits uh, in the last year of the Apple III's life in order to help finance uh, the development of the Macintosh and employ about uh, 1,000 to 1,500 people at Apple. So during that period of time, I was the Apple III business unit manager mm-hmm. and uh, 17 people, a budget of $4 million at the same management level as uh, Steve Jobs, who at the time was running the Macintosh uh, division. Um, the number one thing I learned from Steve is his vision. And uh, he, could, he could tell and taste what the market was going to be like six or seven years into the future. And when you put the combination of a vision together with a set of values, and Apple had a set of values called Apple Values, Mm -hmm. which was partially borrowed from the HP way, the HP's values, um, and you put those two things together, and you have a winning combination. And in fact, when Steve came back to Apple in 19, I think it was 97 or 98, he said the thing that Apple had lost since he left in 1985 was its values. So he brought its values back along with his vision, and that helped them um, build a company that is insanely great, and it's now the most valuable company in the world. When <coughs> HP had uh, its values, called the HP Way, it grew 20% a year every year for 50 years. And I can't think of another company in the history of the world that has had that level of success for such a long period of time. Then in uh, around 1998, I believe it was, uh, after David Packard uh, passed away and there was a major fight with the board uh, over uh, the HP way and the company dropped it. And HP has been floundering ever since. Uh, the HP way continues in, a, in another company called Agilent, which was a spinoff, mm-hmm. which was the old test and measurement equipment. So you can see, and, and they have been fairly successful also again, by having a set of values that everybody uh, abided by. Beautiful. Yeah, I've heard uh, Steve Jobs talk about the importance of values in one of those videos. And you just 
made me remind of those words. So great. So uh, David, let's jump right into the show and spend the next few minutes talking about your success and thinking. You being okay. a hands-on product manager, you've you've led so many different product management organizations and product teams itself, and now you also train, consult product management leaders and teams across the world. What is that one thing that you think has been has made you successful as a product manager and maker? I think it's the ability to mediate disputes and conflicts and conflicts of priorities. Uh, conflicts usually occur in an organization and in a product organization over a difference of uh, values, which I talked about earlier. But if that doesn't exist, then it's uh, over the role of uh, what is the problem and how are we going to solve the problem. And uh, I was fortunate enough back when I was in Minnesota uh, to learn how to do mediation, and I was uh, I mediated the second uh, successful environmental mediation in the history of the United States and perhaps even the world. And I found that those mediating skills to understand what the wants and needs are of all of the parties involved in a product and find an intersection between them so that they can compromise, get along with each other, and move the product along uh, so they can get out into the marketplace while the window of opportunity is there. So I think that's the number one uh, skill set that helped me be successful as a product manager. Beautiful. Um, never have I heard somebody talk about it in in such a way. So David, as you know, product managers and makers, we we are so often expected to you know make decisions. Uh, mediation is one thing, but having to step in and start making decisions while actually interacting with so many different teams, engineers, sales, marketing, customers, name it. But how do you manage to you know, stay productive as a product manager? I think the, the number one thing is every morning I sit down and I make a list of things I need to get done that day uh, and out into the future, and then I prioritize them into most important has to be done next up once those things are done and then the third most importance and I keep that list uh, I found uh, in all of my teachings and I've trained well over uh, several thousand product managers throughout the world I sometimes ask them in class how many of you put together a list every morning and then uh, try to get the most important things on that list done and I would say less than 10% of the product managers actually do that uh, the key there is, again, making the list and prioritizing and then focusing them on or focusing on that. And connected with that is I try to do the strategic things in the morning while my mind is uh, fresh mm-hmm. and the tactical things and the firefighting things in the afternoon. Wow. Awesome. So that reminds me of this book by David Allen called Getting Things Done. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. So great. So. Um, you know, one thing is productivity, right? So, uh, you know, what I've seen with uh, people who make products like product managers and designers and other product professions is this approach to managing what, what I call as a balance between being creative and being productive. You know, that is this popular belief that I call the creativity paradox, which essentially says that creativity and productivity are two ends of um, the spectrum. So, you know, we need to probably forego one in order to get the other. So, like, 
you have a deadline on one side and the other side you have like you said have to make decisions get stuff done so how do you david go about managing this balance between being creative and being productive well when i say um I try to do strategic things in the morning. That includes being creative uh, while my mind is still fresh. Uh, I found uh, a number of years ago that if I started doing tactical things, um, for example, uh, making sales calls or uh, doing support calls or whatever it may be, mm-hmm. uh, in the morning, I found I couldn't switch my brain to get back to the uh, strategic side and the creative side. And connected with the uh, 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 strategic creative side, I explore. Uh, I got involved in starting the flying club at the University of Michigan mm-hmm. uh, in 1969 because I was bored in engineering school at the time. And I just started wandering through campus, reading stuff on the bulletin boards, and found that there were four other people that were going to meet uh, the following Monday night uh, to uh, talk about whether or not University of Michigan should have a flying club. And if I hadn't done that exploration, if I hadn't done that wandering, um, and HP actually calls it uh, management by wandering around, uh, I would never have discovered that and uh, be a- been able to be creative in the development of uh, uh, the flying club. Beautiful. Beautiful. So, uh, David, uh, let's, let's move on to a very interesting part of this chat, which I call as a product mindset. Right. So product mindset is basically a set of beliefs, skills, techniques, and thinking hacks that, you know, I've seen successful product man- man- you know, managers and makers possess that allows them to learn, push through challenges and setbacks, and the more, more importantly, master new skills um, and learn from the success of others. So, David, how, what are the three most important blanks? You know, I don't want to use the word skills or techniques or anything there that come to your mind that you think product managers and makers should focus on in developing this quote-unquote product mindset. And David, I was actually looking through your courses uh, and I saw that you have something called Six Keys to Product Success. And if you think uh, this question of mine coincides with three of those keys or all of those keys to product success, um, please feel free to talk about um, three of them or all of them. Well, in my study and in the writing of my courses on uh, product management and in the uh, eight books that I have uh, coming out, one just got released on Thanksgiving called Building Insanely Great Products. Uh, Some products fail, many succeed. This is their story. Mm -hmm. Um, I talk about the six keys to product success, and it's easy to remember. Uh, It's uh, The acronym um, is SPICES, S-P-I-C-E-S. Uh, my company's name is Spice Catalyst. Mm-hmm. And what it stands for is the six keys to product success. Uh, the first S stands for strategy. You've got to have a product market strategy. Some people call it a product plan. And that consists of, of 18 things. Then in the development of that strategy and in the development of the product throughout its entire life cycle, you need to have a process that everybody follows and uh, uh, agrees to. Because as one of my clients once told me, if you don't have an agreed upon process, it creates a culture of blame where a product fails and everybody points their fingers at somebody else. And a number of management consultants have talked about the importance of having process maturity in an organization uh, to enhance the chances of success. Uh, 
The I stands for information. Uh, the product manager has to have the information that they need to have in order to make a, an informed decision. Uh, the fourth thing is to understand the customers. And I actually dropped down below the concept of uh, outcome-driven innovation or understanding the jobs that people do. Mm. I think there's a more granular thing that people, uh, that product managers need to understand. And that is, what is it that a uh, customer wants to do? What do, the, what do people want to do? Mm-hmm. And if you start with that, you can finally get out of this conundrum of uh, arguing about whether or not we should do market research or not do market research, or this uh, push by venture capitalists and angel investors called Ready, uh, Fire, Aim, mm-hmm. which uh, always result in a very quick uh, disaster. But if you put together your product market strategy with these uh, six things uh, focused on what the customers do, and that's in terms of what they do, when they do, why they do it, where they do it, how they do it. Mm -hmm. The uh, fourth thing or the fifth thing is the employees themselves. It takes about 150 competencies or skill sets that a product manager has to have in order to be successful. And he he or she needs to have a team that has not only the basic fundamentals of those uh, 130 competencies, but also uh, other others that are experts in each of those areas. Mm-hmm. For example, uh, a product manager may have a pretty good idea on how to put together a pricing strategy, but to uh, how to what it should be exactly is a much more senior, advanced uh, set of knowledge. And uh, rather than just pulling a number out of thin air as the price for the product. There's a whole science to pricing, and that's therefore they need more advanced people to do that. Mm-hmm. So the constant improvement and development of the competencies at the uh, fundamental level, the intermediate level, and the advanced level is the E uh, for employees. And the last is systems and tools in order to be able to get the job done. And for the most part, only up until about five years, there weren't any specialized uh, systems and tools for uh, product managers. Uh, but along have come things like Jira and uh, road mapping uh, software, mm-hmm. uh, which covers uh, pieces of it, like the backlog and uh, the roadmap, but not the rest of the product market strategy. And I was talking about that in one of the classes I was teaching in India a couple years ago. And one of my students, uh, Uday Kumar, uh, up in uh, Pune uh, with a company called AdTech, said, hey, why don't we build such a tool? So... He has, with the, my guidance, it's called Productize, and it's available as a free plugin for Jira now. And it gives uh, uh, the system of holding all the artifacts for the entire product lifecycle and a dashboard for progress uh, status on the product uh, all together in one place. So it's the five things of strategy, process, information customers, employees, and systems, or spices. Great. So, yeah, the six, six spices. So, so um, where, where do you see, uh, now you've, you, like you said, you've trained so many different product managers of all kinds, and product management is, is, is a very broad uh, profession again. But if, if I had to ask you, where, what are the top two or maximum three places that you've seen product managers uh, fail or, or do mistakes uh, across these four different uh, or six different 
areas what would they be and what if you could talk about one of them maybe yeah the uh, one of them is the lack of having a product market strategy or a product plan and the product plan breaks down into understanding what the customer wants to do and then gathering uh, the right information in the following order by observing like a social anthropologist mm-hmm. then interviewing them then uh, surveying them so that you could extrapolate that to the uh, uh, your market as a whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, then uh, the next thing that needs to be done is competitive research, then the prioritizing of the do's, I call them, the pieces of the, jo- the job, uh, which can then be handed off to uh, development. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's those do's that you do innovation on. That's uh, where you try to do things faster, quicker, Uh, at a higher quality, and that's what innovation is all about. And most designers also do the same thing. They go out and observe first. They don't go out and interview. They don't go out and do surveys. Mm -hmm. They don't uh, do a top-down approach, which we used to do all the time back in the 80s and 90s, where you say uh, some market research firm would say the size of the market is X, Y, Z, and you would go out and say, okay, I'm going to capture 5% of the market only to find out later that the market was substantially less than that, and you got your 5%, but it's still less, and uh, the investors are not very happy. Right. Uh, with the understanding of the do and also where the market is, where it's growing, what's the uh, window of opportunity, you can then very easily put together your value proposition. Mm-hmm. But what typically happens is uh, somebody has an idea for a product, they go ahead and develop it, And then they take, try to take it to market. And um, as uh, Steve Johnson said, he's uh, uh, someone I consider the grandfather of product management training. Mm-hmm. He uh, used to work for Pragmatic, and he's trained uh, tens of thousands of product managers worldwide over a 15-year uh, span. He says, uh, you know, at that point, they, uh, uh, the, the companies and the individuals don't know why their products succeed why, or why they fail. And they rely just on luck or something he calls hippo, the highest paid person's opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so at that point, you're told, okay, take this product to market. Now go find me some customers. And you have to try to figure out what is the value proposition around which the product was built. You have no idea at that point right. uh, of trying to take the product to market. So that's one of the major reasons for uh, failure. And then the rest of the aspects of the strategy immediately falls into place. Uh, what's the vision for the product? Uh, what, who are the personas, the buyers, the influencers, and the users? What's the status of the market and market adoption so you don't jump into a market before the market is ready to accept it? Mm-hmm. I've made that mistake a number of times. Um, and then from that, you can derive your total addressable or accessible market, uh, but at what target market you're going to go after. Uh, and from that, you can then do your product positioning. And now you finally get to laying out your product roadmap based upon the features that are the roll-ups of all of those dudes. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of uh, companies and product managers immediately jump in. They have the product idea. They skip everything I just talked about and right. go right to a product roadmap. Uh, then you do a, a SWOT on what are your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And then you start figuring out how to penetrate the market, how you're going to distribute it, and something that is often overlooked, uh, how are you going to go train your sales force, your marketing teams, your distribution channels, mm-hmm. your partners, the operations, support, and service, 
And then there's pricing, sales forecasting, budgeting, management of the intellectual property. You put all that together, uh, it's 29 major uh, topics, right. uh, building on the 18 that I mentioned earlier. And uh, you have a product market strategy plan, and that most of that should be done before development even starts. Some of it could be done in parallel uh, with development. So that's the number one area that uh, about 40% of all products and services developed uh, each year fail. Hmm. That represents about a $600 billion waste of resources. And most of them fail primarily because of uh, the things I just talked about. We're not done. Wow, that's interesting. So let's switch topic for a bit. You talked about management by wandering some time back. You know, being able to connect with people is a very key skill for, uh, for anyone and especially product managers. I also like the way you emphasize on soft skills in your book and your courses. One thing we are blessed with or should I say is cursed with as product managers is the lack of direct authority. Uh, but we still need to persuade our stakeholders to get stuff done. So what are the most effective ways of being persuasive with our stakeholders, David? Well, whenever I started out new as a product manager in an organization, uh, the first thing I did was to identify who the stakeholders were and have lunch with them. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the questions I would ask them is, uh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they usually laugh and they, they tell me what their goals and their aspirations are. And I find that information absolutely valuable because then when I'm sitting in a meeting with a half a dozen to a dozen people and um, we got a tough issue to get resolved, mm -hmm. I can immediately uh, see in my mind uh, the areas of what people's personal aspirations and business aspirations that I've learned about at lunch uh, overlap with the other people's. So I figure out ways to put together a win-win negotiation uh, so everybody wins and the product succeeds. All right, that brings us to the end of part one of the two-part series. David is a man of experience. 47 years of managing products is not something you'll find that easily. He talked about a lot of things, his learnings from working with David Packard and Steve Jobs, his ability to mediate conflicts and why it, he thinks it's important for product managers to be good at it, and the spices, the six keys to product success, as David puts it. In the next episode, episode 028, I get David to gaze the crystal ball and he talks about the future of products, the profession of product management and the skills that will be relevant for the future. He also, in fact, talks about the difference between product manager and an entrepreneur and what the role of a product manager has lost from what it used to be 40 years back, which I certainly have, didn't have a, a, a clue of until he said you can find the show notes at designyourthinking.com slash episode 027. And if you like listening to this episode, do let me know by heading over to iTunes, subscribing to this podcast and leaving us a rating and review. You can do that by heading over to designyourthinking.com slash iTunes. Now, I'm not just asking you to do this for the sake of doing it, but please, it really means a lot for me to continue doing good shows. 
That's it for today. Till I see you in the next episode with the second part of this conversation. Stay tuned. Stay inspired. Love you all. Thanks for listening to the Design Your Thinking podcast. Subscribe to our newsletter at www.designyourthinking.com.